0: Welcome to the Parallel Lines Project, where I help separate fact from fiction. I'm your host, Mark Muldowan, and this is episode one, Lady in Red. (music) On this week's podcast, it's the first episode of the Parallel Lines Project, I'll be introducing myself and telling you what this podcast is all about. Later, I'll be taking a look at a very old local ghost story. Then, get a pen and paper ready or warm up your typing fingers. I've got the best goddamn cabbage roll recipe in the world. Uh, Just a disclaimer as well, my recording studio... Well, my linen closet with a desk and a microphone... Uh, is located directly beneath the flight path of the snow geese, and it being November, uh, I'm bombarded by their relentless honking every 20 minutes or so. Uh, So if you hear that Hitchcockian noise of uh, the feathered apocalypse in the background, don't worry, my eyes are safe. But first, let me introduce myself. So I'm a freelance writer, and journalist, and Vancouver native with a fascination for all things weird. When I was a kid, I became obsessed with anything outside the mainstream. I read weird things like Sefer Yetzirah, I devoured things like Ki and meditated daily and try and focus my energies Dragon Ball Z style. I was hooked on shows like the famed Fox Alien Autopsy and Unexplained Mysteries and Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, hell, Commander Riker's beard alone was enough for me to watch that show. But as I grew older, I began to become less of a true believer in these things. The more I read, the more I realized it was impossible to summon demons or to Kamehameha beam of blue light at that asshole Craig used to relentlessly pick on me at school. Ultimately, my curiosity landed me in journalism school I was given the tools to explore these ideas in a more rational way. You'd think that after seeing the man behind the curtain, my feeling on the subjects of the supernatural would turn to cynicism, but you'd be wrong, I still love this stuff. The rumours and common knowledge that surrounds and makes up our beautifully bizarre culture, it's just magical. Enter this podcast. This isn't a debunking of all things irrational. No, this is a love letter to them. This is a celebration of the creativity of humanity. People come up with some really weird shit and they can be really good at selling it. And that's something I can appreciate as long as you can separate the fact from fiction. There are two parallel lines that never overlap, but together paint an amazing narrative. See what I did there? Get the meaning of the name of the show? Well, that coupled in my absolutely undying love for Debbie Harry. Damn. Just damn. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I love ghost stories. Even more so when they're real. Douche quotes in full effect here. Living in Vancouver, there's one in particular that I've always loved. The Lady in Red at the Fairmont Hotel, Vancouver. Now, I'm not talking about your drunk uncle's rendition of Christopher's classic 1980s hit at your cousin's wedding. I'm talking about the ghost that's said to haunt the halls. The Hotel Vancouver is a local landmark and a beautiful example of the Franco-Scottish chateau style that is quintessentially Canadian. Canadian National Railway Company built these luxury railway hotels across Canada, with each one being totally unique and interesting in their own way. If you want to see more examples, check out the show notes for a link to Wiki. The hotel began construction in in 1928, but wasn't finished until 1939. The Great Depression was a bitch. It served as CBC's headquarters in Vancouver until the 1970s, boasting a fully-functional broadcast station in the mezzanine. It also housed some of the ritziest nightlife in the city. Uh, The Panorama, the Timber Club, the Pacific Empire Ballroom, the Red Red Barrel uh, were all mainstays of Vancouver nightlife for decades. My personal connection to the hotel comes from my grandparents' weekly outings to the panorama for dinner and dancing, but I'll get into that later. Now that you have an idea of the setting, let me give you a rundown of the story. You can read the full meal deal at the Fairmont's uh, Fairmont Moments website, uh, but I'll give you a brief synopsis here. Cue scary music. Our story revolves around a young woman of 25 named Jeannie Pearl Cox. A lovely young Vancouverite who became a regular patron at the hotel. She danced at the panorama with her husband, Harold, and every year would bring her daughter Dorothy, a.k.a. Dottie, to the annual Christmas celebration in the Pacific Ballroom. She was entrenched in the hotel nightlife, putting friends everywhere she went. Then, tragedy struck. In the summer of 1944, her, her husband Harold, and her daughter Dottie were on their way home from a picnic in the park, when without warning, a truck turned the corner too quickly and struck the family, killing them instantly. When their spirits left their bodies, they decide to return to the place that made them happiest. The Hotel Vancouver, with Jeannie wearing her favorite distinctive red dress. They say if you take the number eight elevator, you have the best chance of seeing her. Usually going up and down to or from the 14th floor. Sometimes people see her husband and child wandering the halls. It's a pretty classic ghost story, huh? It's no joke either. I I said earlier, the the current hotel owners, the uh, Fairmont Company, pimps the story on their website, and uh, every year, nearly every newspaper in the city regurgitates the whole story around Halloween. If you ask the hotel staff, they'll sometimes give you their own personal accounts of the Lady in Red. Hell, there's even a cocktail named after her at the hotel. Even the guests that see her, check out the story on TripAdvisor. I found uh, it's entitled uh, "The Lady in Red is True!" Exclamation mark. This hotel is haunted! Exclamation uh, mark. Reviewed the twenty-first of August, twenty fourteen. I apologize, there's some spelling and grammar mistakes in here. I've done my best to try and smooth these over, but uh, you know how internet reviews go. We stayed in this hotel because my sister was getting married at this location. I checked in at around 3 a.m. on Saturday when I went in the elevator from the hobby. There was already a lady wearing a bright, long, red dress inside the elevator standing in the corner. I said hi to her, but she didn't respond, and I noticed the fourteenth floor was already lit up. It was just two of us inside the elevator, and since I was getting off the eighth floor I I turned around and said bye to her, but she disappeared. I was so shocked I couldn't believe what just happened. At at first I thought I was just seeing things, but as soon as I got in the room I, I googled Lady in Red at the Fairmont Vancouver, and there it was. She was a ghost, and I witnessed it. I-, I told the staff about this story, but they quickly denied it. I'll never come back here again. Of course. Exclamation mark. What I love about this review is that they rated every category as one star, except for cleanliness. They gave that a two. Now, I'm not here to disprove the existence of ghosts. I, I can't do that. I can, however... Put my thinky skills to the test and uh, check to see if this story can even be true. Enter my 96-year-old grandma, Violet. I call her Ty. Don't ask. Ty and her husband, Billy, were frequent guests at the hotel. She would always... Ty and Billy were frequent guests... Ty and her husband, Billy, were frequent guests at the hotel. She would have been Jeannie's age at the time. I asked her about the hotel. She told me stories of her dining and dancing and the panorama. She told me about overindulging in cocktails, a a Muldown family trait, and uh, crashing for the night only to slip out in the morning in the same clothes uh, with her makeup smeared like. Ty and her husband, Billy, were frequent guests at the hotel. She would have been Jeannie's age at the time. I asked her about the hotel. She told me stories of her dining and dancing at the Panorama. She told me about overindulging in cocktails, a Muldallon family trait, and crashing for the night only to slip out in the morning in the same clothes with her makeup smeared and I quote, like some back alley girl. The scandal. When I asked about Jeannie, she said she couldn't remember the name by anyone there And that's not too surprising. My family's Jewish, and, while people didn't really like the Jews at the time. It wouldn't be too far-fetched that her and uh, the Gentile genie would never have crossed paths. Um, I also asked her about the ghost, and she said she never saw it. But she heard of it. With the primary source under my belt and the smell of bullshit slowly wafting from the distance, I decided to put my research skills to good use. I'm lucky. Being in Canada, we have a crazy amount of records readily available online. The Royal Museum here in British Columbia in particular actually has a massive searchable database of all kinds of records. Particularly, they have the entirety of uh, birth, death and marriage certificates before 1986 freely available and uh, along with a pretty archaic search engine. So I typed in the name Jeannie Cox and looked at 1944 deaths. I clicked search. And I guess what happened? Bupkis. Obviously Jeannie Cox probably isn't her legal given name. So then I typed in Jennifer Cox. Nothing. Then Pearl Cox. Nothing. Then Gene Cox. Nada. Still not defeated, I decided to look up Harold. Of course, if, if her husband's in there, then, you know, they'll be easy to find. Easier than her, actually. Um, you know, there, there might not be a Jeannie Cox uh, at birth. You know, the death certificate should still show up, but, you know, you never know. Maybe they dumped her body in the back alley or something like that. Maybe that's why she's a ghost. But Harold... Of course Harold would exist, right? I mean that he has to, for this story to make sense. So I I broadened my my search, too. I, I looked at everything, marriages, births, deaths, and broadened it between 1900 and 1950. You know, they're supposed to be a young couple, so, you know, Harold had to have been less than 50 years old, I'm assuming. There were a few Harold Coxes. Uh, None of them died in those years, though. Only two were from anywhere near Vancouver. uh, One from Vancouver proper and one from New West. One was married to a Gladys and the other a Harriet. Still no Jeannie Pearl Cox. So here I am, literally and figuratively chasing ghosts. They just don't exist. These, These people never existed. Maybe the hotel is haunted by some other benevolent spirit, but... I don't know, some other lady in red? But I doubt it. I'm actually kind of surprised that that nobody else has done this even modicum of research before to, to kind of see what's going on here. Uh, like I said, newspapers every year print this story as, as cold hard facts, including the names and dates. You know, it, it, it's surprising that you know, even just for fun, nobody decided to type this in or, or even look this up. But, you know... That's the newspapers for you. So when I went to go see my grandma to talk about the lady in red, she gave me something really special. I'm uh, I'm holding it here in my hands right now. Listen, listen. Hear that? It's a cookbook. It's a very special cookbook. Super special. Special beyond all things. It's uh, my grandma's Jewish cookbook. On the front it says, Our gift to you. It was actually given to uh, to young ladies after their bat mitzvahs to help them keep a good kosher home. It has uh, recipes uh, organized by ingredients or, or part of the meal or holidays. Um, and, and also some tips on how to keep a respectable Jewish home. I also like it, I, especially for my um, uh, my non-Jewish girlfriend here, uh, it has a, a little brief description of all the Jewish holidays in it um, that uh, makes them pretty understandable. Oh, and it's like 80 years old. It's super old. I'm surprised it's still in one piece. Uh, the other thing I love about it is that, um, you know, since it because it was printed 80 years ago, there's so many spelling and grammar mistakes in it, they're just so obvious. You know, obviously these were put together by, um, uh, you know, the, the Temple Sisterhood. It uh, says here on here, Temple Bethel Sisterhood, so f- of course, you know, that's who put it together. And and um, they obviously didn't proofread it before sending it off to the printer, but uh, it uh, it makes it all the more charming. Um, but uh, today, as I, I hinted at before, I, I want to share a recipe with you. It's one of my favorites, the prokas, they're Jewish cabbage rolls. You can go to my website markmuldown.com to check out the recipe. The link is in the show notes. But I'll share it with you here. So here's what you need to start. One or two cabbages, depending on the size. And uh, I do want to note that they actually left out the cabbages on the ingredients list. I, I guess that's obvious for most people. But when I first made this recipe, I <laughs> I didn't know how many cabbages to buy. So I bought like four cabbages. It was way too much. And what, what the hell are you going to do with a cabbage? You know, there's really nothing else, so I made a shit ton of coleslaw to go along with this. It was way too much. The bowl was massive. I brought it to a house party with about 10 people, and we didn't even come close to finishing it all. Anyways, so here's what you need to start. Uh, One or two cabbages, depending on the size. Two pounds of ground beef. Um, It says here ground round, but uh, any ground beef will do. Uh, Third cup matzo meal. Um, or breadcrumbs if you don't have uh, any sort of uh, Jewish delicacy places near you, Um, or just enough to bind the mixture. Don't overdo it. Salt, pepper, garlic salt, and powder, or powder, to taste. Three slightly beaten eggs. One small grated onion. One cooked cup of rice. And for the sauce, two cans of tomato sauce juice of one lemon, a scant cup of sugar, one tablespoon of brown sugar, and a chopped onion. Now here's the method. Uh, Combine the filling ingredients, cut the core from the cabbage, cover the cabbage with boiling water, and let it soak until the leaves separate easily. Fill each leaf with a heaping tablespoon of meat mixture, fold them to form pockets or envelopes, and uh, fasten with a toothpick if necessary. Combine the sauce ingredients together and simmer for about five minutes. Now add the form cabbage rolls and spoon the sauce over them. Simmer covered for about two to three hours. And here's a tip. Put a walnut in the water while you're boiling the cabbage if you want to avoid making your house smell like a giant fart. Hope you enjoy. Well, that's it for episode one of the Parallel Lines Project. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you liked it, please leave your comments and uh, rate it on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can also read a transcript of the show, well, rough transcript of the show, the script I used to record the show, um, and any show notes at uh, markmuldown.com slash podcast. Uh, all the music on this podcast is under the Creative Commons license and was found at the Free Music Archive. Our theme song is Against the Wall by Boxcat Games, and thank you very much for the uh, permission to use it. Uh, Other music included in this podcast is credited in um, the show notes here to their respective artists. Have a great week, everyone, and keep it weird.